I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Thank you for joining again this week. The topic this week, you are so insecure. We're talking insecurity. And I may have talked about insecurity on the show before. I know I've talked about it in roundabout ways. I don't know if I've actually tackled the idea of insecurity because it's flying around and really affecting just about everything that you're looking to do. And I know this is true because everybody has some level of insecurity. Now, why this topic? Why do I want to talk about insecurity? Uh, There have been a few requests over the past few weeks for me to cover certain topics. Imposter syndrome, communication styles in the workplace, uh, how do I influence without authority? I'm getting a lot of these types of questions from people who are trying to do very specific things. And I was trying to find a theme across all of them because I'm thinking I'm putting these down as topics to talk about on the podcast. I'm going to. But I would, something was tying them all together, and I couldn't quite think about what that was. And driving this weekend, it dawned on me from the most random of places, the Jerky Boys. I don't know if you remember the Jerky Boys, <laughs> if you don't know who they are. Uh, very inappropriate crank calls from like the early 90s, late 80s that I used to love growing up. You listen to them now, by the way, and you just say, I can't believe they got away with this stuff. But... Uh, I had a lot of driving to do this weekend. We have a new baby at home, so I'm exhausted. I had a two-hour drive to uh, each way. And so I was looking for things to keep me up. And I saw my nephew on my drive. He's around 14. And I, that was around the time that I first heard the Jerky Boys. And I was thinking about him and what was I thinking about, you know, early in high school. And uh, and and the Jerky Boys popped into my head for some reason because that was the first time I heard it. And it, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. So I put the Jerky Boys on for that nostalgia on the drive home. And there was this great prank where he called a security service for security. And he said, hello, security and hello, security service. I need some security. I'm very insecure. And he went through this whole thing talking about his own insecurity and why he needed a security service. And it was it got me thinking. And I said, that's it. It's insecurity is the theme across all of these things that people are 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 asking for. And uh, I'm not recommended you go if you don't know the Jerky Boys. Um, well, whatever you can listen to it. It's there are there are some great clips in that, but um, I may be dating myself a little bit with that. And there are some that would never fly today. Anyway, I have to put that little qualifier in. But insecurity it got me thinking about the the requests that I've been getting for the podcast, the the problems that many of my clients are working on, and we don't realize that many of the challenges we face are driven by our own insecurity and how most of my own challenges, you know, I was you know, looking, I've been talking to a lot of people about the book and doing a lot of presentations on the book and insecurity was driving a lot of my, I mean, I didn't really address insecurity until I was almost 40, right? And we don't realize it. We don't admit it that insecurity is one of those things. You know, we're in your early 30s, late 20s. You're supposed to have all the answers. You're supposed to do all these things. And to say that you're insecure is, is almost like, like admitting failure. And it's when we we think about insecurity and and what's holding us back and how do we get to the next level and where do we want to be, 
we hear many things. People tell us many things of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be resilient. We're supposed to be innovative. We're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be leaders. And they're all extrinsic, you know, people telling you what you're supposed to be. But the real things we should be focused on, at least I'm finding, things like self-efficacy, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast. I won't talk about it again, but it's that that idea of you understand the steps and your ability to execute on the steps to get something done. Uh, but we also need to address our insecurities. I'm going to talk at the end of this, I'll give some exercises that I give to clients just to kind of change that mindset because these insecurities are everywhere and it impacts our decision-making. It impacts our risk-taking. It impacts what we think we're, we're capable of. When we talk about the, the happiness factor and what's the equation and it's really, you know, satisfaction plus expectation and, and what are those two and how are they meshing together? If our insecurity is driving our expectations, we're not going to be hitting the happiness factor and the success factor that, that we think that we're actually capable of. So over the next few episodes on this podcast, I'm going to be covering insecurity, but not in like a normal insecurity way. It's, it's going to be these things, the, the many ways that insecurity can pop into our psyche. And so the next few episodes are going to be things like those healthy communication styles, how to communicate in the workplace, but how your insecurity will affect that. And imposter syndrome. How do you feel like you're actually supposed to be sitting at that table? And influence without authority. How do you get people to do things when they're above you or in another group? And uh, are you aiming too low? Should you be aiming higher? And, and how do you prioritize appropriately? And, and those are all things that, that I've, been, I've been hearing from people and I've been hearing, and, and you know, not to get dark, uh, but the, you know, the, the aiming too low one um, was, I've, I've been listening to a lot of eulogies over the past two years. We all have. And when we listen to a eulogy, people get reflective and they think about what we learned from those people we lost and we get wisdom at those times. And themes exist across all eulogies. Right from challenging yourself to what people accomplished to the great relationships they had and X Y Z everything else, uh, but two of the particular ones that I remember from from really in the last year really dealt with were really solutions to insecurity, and they they really stuck with me for some reason. One was uh, one eulogy talked about how we aim too low. We don't really realize our full potential. And that was big advice that one grandfather had given to his family and his grandchildren. And another one, another eulogy spoke about how we can be in service to other people and what he did to help others and the immense impact that he had on people. And, and we can't have an impact without being secure in our capability. And to do the things that we want to do, to do the things that, you know, when we think about the advice that we get from people and aiming high and doing our best, we have to be secure in the fact that we can execute. We have a capability and recognizing those capabilities and embracing them. It allows us to have an impact, but often we get we get wired up in nonsense that, that really doesn't matter and it affects our ability to do it. We lose perspective and we very quickly lose perspective on, on what we're actually capable of and what we want to do and uh, and and we get thrown for a loop sometimes and, and that rattles us and it, it drives our, our insecurity. And there are ways to respond to it. Learning mindset is the big one that you'll hear me talk a, a lot about over, over the next few episodes. But um, 
there I'm reading a book right now. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass. And it's uh, it's written by a botanist. She's a PhD, but she's also a member of the uh, Potawatomi Nation. Um, and it's it's really an indigenous wisdom paired with science. Uh, it's like the teachings of plants, and and you know you would never guess that you know I'm not a botanist, uh, but it but it's a it's an interesting perspective. And and right at the beginning of the book, she begins with a perspective shift. Uh, and she turns everything upside down right right at the very beginning where, you know, in the West, we think of ourselves as the top of the food chain. Humans are the top of the food chain and, and we drive everything else. We are the pinnacles of evolution. Uh, plants are at the bottom. But in her tradition, humans are the youngest members of the evolution world. And we have much to learn from the oldest. And when we think about learning from elders and we think about the the learning from the wisdom we get from eulogies and, and everything else. Uh, the oldest are plants and plants are actually at the top of the food chain and we have the most to learn from them. And it's, it's a very interesting, and I'm not trying to make you more insecure to knock you off your top of the food chain <laughs> mentality, uh, but there is learning there and learning to say, wow, okay, maybe I'm not at the top of the food chain. Maybe I'm not uh, I don't have to be at the top of the food chain. I can coexist with all of these different things. And um, our, our first step in being more secure is, is the ability and capability to recognize that we have a lot to learn. And when we think about good leaders, no matter where we fit in an organization, in a, in a, a culture, in a, a community, in a home, we have a lot to learn from other people. And every good leader I know is readily available and able to admit when they don't know something. And when we're dealing with insecurity, we try to hide that. And we try to pretend that we're something else. We have knowledge that we don't actually have. And, and uh, it's when we're insecure that we try to hide those, those questionable aspects. And, and we should be embracing it. One of the things my father always told me growing up, and I, I remember one conversation vividly after uh, we lost a baseball game, and I was probably like seven or eight years old. We're walking in the Bronx, and uh, he drove this into my head growing up: is that there will always be someone better than you at something, anything, really. And I mistook that to say that you know what, maybe I'm not going to be good enough. And now, over time, with time, more wisdom and, and learning. I recognize that that the fact that somebody's always going to be better than you is something to be embraced. And that we have people all around us to learn from, whether they report to you in an organization, whether they are peers of yours in an organization, senior leaders in an organization, no matter what it is we're trying to do, someone else has done it, they've done it well, and having them share their wisdom just accelerates your, your ability to move further down to where you actually want to go. Uh, this is what helps us asking those questions, obtaining that wisdom from other people. Ironically, you know, admitting you don't know makes us more secure <laughs> in ourselves and, and what we're able to do. Only a very secure person can stand up in the middle of a room and say, I don't understand something. Can you please explain that to me? And sit back down and be a real curious person in a group of people. We, uh, we are right now in the middle articles everywhere on the great resignation and 
you know, when we think about the Great Resignation, part of it is is driven by people just throwing their hands up saying, F you, this isn't, isn't what I want to do. Um, and they're just fed up and angry and, and everything. And rightly so, right? The, the, there's been a misalignment in, in a lot of, you know, what an organization offers versus what a person's expected to give. And that's why people hire me, right? The, the great resignation, there are solutions to it, but it generally a lot of the time it's cultural. But one of the other things, that, and nobody's talking about this, but one of the other things driving this great resignation is there's a massive misalignment. And I'm realizing this myself in self-perception and what other people see. And oftentimes we talk about this and saying, you know what, these people think they're better than they are. And and we hear that often and uh, they need to be humbled. But there's also a major aspect to we're not operating up to the level that other people actually see. And that's frustrating to us. And that misalignment, we know that something's off. And we have to find what our value is in order to be more secure in our, our ability to execute. One of the exercises, I'll give you one of the exercises now, that I, I share with many of my clients is the exercise of, of, you know, write out how you bring value. What do people gain by working with you? And the reason I do that is, you know, I, I work a lot with people who are frustrated, they're not moving up in an organization, imposter syndrome, uh, how do I articulate my value? But they've never actually written out what the value is and what people gain. And and many of the things that you bring to the office or the community or the or the family or whatever are things that naturally come easy to you. We don't think of them as skill sets. We don't think of themselves. We don't think of these extra things as, you know, this crazy bonus. But it certainly has value. And and what people perceive and what they value versus what you're bringing is, you know, we have to recognize that. We have to align that. And we have to do our best to align the perception of ourselves with what other people see as well. Now, granted, your view of yourself is more important than what other people see. I get that. But we operate in this world of multiple people and and uh, the way other people treat us impacts the way that we're going to respond and the way that we're going to evolve. There was a great story. I'm sure I've talked about it on this podcast, but I read it. I don't know if I, I read it on Reddit. Uh, about a woman who was obese, massively overweight. And she lost a lot of the weight and felt great. And she was very angry at the fact that people were treating her more nicely. She felt guilty about it. She said, this isn't right. I've lost weight and now people are, are treating me nicer. And then it dawned on her one day. It wasn't because they weren't treating her nicer because she lost weight. They were treating her differently because she was treating them differently. She felt better about herself. And that was eye-opening to her. She was smiling more. She felt better about all these different things. She was putting more better things out there. She was more secure with herself and, and was getting a better response from everybody else. And you see people out in the world who are, you know what, they might be a little overweight or whatever, and but they're so happy with themselves and secure with themselves and they recognize their greatness. And those people attract the wonderful people. They bring wonderful people to them. And so recognizing what you bring to others and the value others gain from being around you, everybody has something that make people want to be around you 100%. You just have to show it to them. 
and, and recognizing that, learning to articulate it. It's helpful. It reminds us why we should be at any table that we're supposed to be sitting there. It reminds us, we use it as a base to get that feeling of, yeah, I'm a rock star right now, or get that feeling of, uh, I'm a good leader, right? And I've talked about my, I think I did a podcast on it, my definition of leadership. is It's a feeling. The reason we can't define leadership is because it's a feeling. It's subjective, right? It's, it's what people recognize in you to say, yes, that person's a leader. And how do you evoke that feeling in other people? So how do you evoke the feeling in other people that you are a secure individual and you're a person that they want to attach themselves to? The feeling that we could drive that that we are accomplished and can accomplish and, and we're recognizing that we're capable. That comes from security with who we are. When I wrote the book and said macro change requires a focus on micro you, I'm really talking about being secure with yourself. That's, that's self-care, that's self-love, that's mental health, that's your belief system. It's, it's all of this is, uh, is figuring out your safety net within you to be more secure in yourself. And that's not easy. We have limits. Uh, we have limits. A lot of them are self-imposed. But by definition, we can't be more secure and we can't grow and learn until we push those limits. And it, it sounds, you know, getting more uncomfortable to be more secure is, is this weird uh, dichotomy that we're constantly going in and out of. It's uncomfortable. Comfort is a false safety net. It's a very false safety net. And by staying comfortable, you will look back and you will have regret. You will look back and say, what could have been? You will look back and uh, I'm not saying be irresponsible and take crazy risks, but uh, when we are uncomfortable and we learn something new and we put ourselves out there, I did a podcast a long time ago on what are you creating and what emotional risk are you putting into your work or into your, your requests? You'll find that most of your risks are pretty low with whatever it is that you're trying to do. And many times the things holding us back are the fear, this this false fear of risk. Uh, and it's our mindset and, and getting capable and, and our own insecurity to get something done. So, so aim high, go after your stuff, ask your friends and family, start doing your, your research here on what do you see that I don't is always a good exercise to go through. I know some people have talked about that. You know, if you had to write me a letter or if you had a you know, you could turn this, you can make it dark, right? I know in Sweden, I think it's Sweden, they do the Swedish death cleaning. They come into your house and if you were dead, what would we throw away? And that's kind of your, that's kind of the the heavy metal version of Marie Kondo. Maybe we can do, <laughs> you could do something like that with, you know, what are people going to say about me? And do I see myself in that way? And if there's a misalignment, is it what I want people to see and what can I change? That's part of the self-discovery that we need to work on in order to become more, more secure. So more to come. This is a fun, fun exercise. It's addressing, addressing your insecurity is anxiety inducing. I get that. And it's, ooh, it's rough. Uh, but you use it. It pays dividends beyond, beyond, beyond. So more to come over the next few weeks. I'm already at almost 20 minutes, so I'm going to hold it there. Um, but so be secure in your ability to, to be capable, ability to be, to ability to be capable, be secure. And I look forward to talking about all of these things. The next four episodes, um, influence without authority, imposter syndrome, communication styles in the workplace, aiming too high or too low. Um, and are you prioritizing appropriately? Those are going to be the next four that I cover 
uh, as we go into this Q4. And I hope that that will be helpful as you think about your priorities for 2022 and the next year and everything else. Uh, when we're able to do this and have this self-discovery, it impacts your ability to make decisions later and you're going to be making better ones. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you as always for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Bellwether.